Today on Movie Wallers, we talk about In and of Itself, The Mauritanian, Land and White Tiger. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And USD as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Here we are again. Yay! It's going to be the Oscar noms this week. So we will definitely do our best to try and put out... Um, some degree of response before the ceremony itself. So we, we like to do that. We like to let you know um, how wrong the Academy has it most years. I think I think we do we do a lot of grumbling when it comes to the numbers, don't we? You I was, do. Well, I always I oh, feel like... No, I'm joking. <laughs> I know I do, but no, I think I do. we need I to do. grumble. Yeah, I, I always feel like... It, it's a no this look this is a no-win scenario for them like whatever they do they're going to upset somebody so they just go ahead and do their thing but i always feel like oh come on oscars you we, like you're supposed to be the thing that we and and somehow they retain that right they, they still retain the fact that they're the most important awards but i i, I always like have yeah. a bit of a moan and maybe maybe it's the classic outsider syndrome, but for me, it's like you have the one job, you get to vote on the Oscars, and don't take that job lightly. Watch every effing movie, you know? So I hate it when people make lazy choices. So my point is, it's a big responsibility. You are voting for the biggest movie, you know, uh, event there is, the, the greatest form of, uh, you know, acknowledgement you can give to another person in craft or acting or making movies. And so... I just get very upset when they kind of go back to, you know, the usual person or they haven't seen all the movies or what have you. So I'm, I'm very intolerant of that kind of lazy picking of nominations. Yeah, again, I mean, hopefully this year, you know, it's going to be interesting. You know, we talked about it last last podcast, but they... Um, we, we've got a shortened year and, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but... Um, Anyway, the globe. As long came as and we don't and... see um, who's the driving in cars who sings. Oh, James Corden. Oh my God! As long as we don't see James Corden as a. James Corden. The, from the Globes, remember he was nominated for yeah. a Globe, for the Prom. Yeah. As long as we don't see any yeah. crazy like that, I'll be okay <laughs> with. There's been a lot of good movies in in 2020, so. And, and, you know, the first few months of 2021. So there's lots of good pickings. Yeah. And hopefully diverse. I'm hoping for more diverse. I mean, not to get ahead of ourselves, but I think, I think these nominations will be history-making. I'm pretty sure there'll be, you know, at least two women who will get nominated for Best Director. There's going to be a lot of, I hope, diversity in the acting categories as well. And considering that only three women have been previously nominated for directing at all, to have two in a single year would be great. So we'll see how it plays out. Well, all will be revealed soon enough, and we'll definitely do our best to uh, podcast and give you our take for what it's worth. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
be interesting. The ceremony follows on quite quickly from the norms this year, right? So we should have... Um, yes. It's not the usual kind of, you know, announce, wait two months, and they're, they're just getting straight into voting. So, yeah, interesting year. All right. We have four movies to talk about. So um, let's begin, I guess, with In and of Itself. Always difficult to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and the full title is actually Derek Del Guardio's In and of Itself. This is um, currently streaming on Hulu. And basically, I am i don't want to tell you too much about it. Um, so basically, this is the, the IMDb write-up, which I kind of agree with. Storyteller and conceptual magician Derek Del Guardo, Guardio attempts to understand the illusory nature of identity and answer the deceptively simple question, who am I? Uh, this is actually directed by Frank Oz. It's written by Derek Del Guardio, and it stars um, Derek Del Guardio and a few others. Um, so, who wants to take this first? Yazdi, what did you... Is this worth getting a month of Hulu for? <laughs> Yes, I mean, I, I, so uh, just so that everybody understands, um, Derek Delgadio uh, did, a, I think, 500 some shows. It was a one man yes. show which showed off Broadway. Uh, and I think right before the um, pandemic hit, I think, uh, uh, you know, he, he was doing these shows. So the, the entire quote unquote movie is a real live, com it's a composite of live. Um, uh, filming of his one-man act, um, you know, which is which 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 ran on Broadway for many 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 years, and I think the the show has gotten a lot of notoriety or or a lot of recognition because if you it's clearly spliced together from at least ten fifteen different shows uh, different evenings when he performed, um, and you can see in the audience a lot of celebrities. You can see Bill Gates at one point. You can see Susan Sarandon. You can see uh, uh, Tim Gunn. David a lot Blaine. of people in it. And um, it's very difficult to talk about this movie. I mean, talk about this movie without giving away too much. Um, I will just say this. I'm still, I mean, it's been more than a month since I watched it. And I still don't know what to make of this movie. Um, or even more importantly, to make of Derek Delgadio. I mean, the history of entertainment, especially on the stage, has been about magicians and people who do illusion and people who kind of use the sleight of hand. And uh, Derek Delgadio kind of um, positions him. He actually says on record that he hates the word magician because he thinks it's very limiting. And he thinks that he's so much more than that. And he does what seems to be a lot of mind reading. And then there are obvious tricks of vision where something was there and then it disappears and then there is like a you know mandatory kind of 50, 20 minute section in between where he does card tricks which are pretty remarkable but i think everything builds towards the finale of how this show plays out and i'm being very careful not to give too much away uh -huh. and i think it's the finale which kind of will determine your reaction to watching this movie i watch that finale and what he does with some degree of distance i was a little aghast because I, maybe i'm too much of a cynic and i did could not believe that what he was doing was was actually what he was doing so either he is some kind of prophet 
um, and he can really read people's minds and recognize them, in which case all power to him and we should all be talking more about him. Or more likely, he's just an exceptionally good illusionist and he's using some kind of trick um, to kind of, you know, to do what he does at the end, in which case it's really shameful, I think, because he's playing with people's emotions a big way. So everybody, a lot of the people at the end are in tears. And I kind of feel it's almost unethical for somebody to do that if all you're doing is using some kind of trickery. So I'm kind of torn about this from an ethical perspective, and maybe my reaction is very unusual, but I would suggest to people, just watch it and see what you think for yourself. Ooh. Joe. Joe, rush me. I mean, I found it, you know, a remarkable piece of performance art. I mean, what I will say is that um, the sleight of hand that is so devastatingly effective on first viewing is less effective on second viewing. Now, second viewing, we didn't watch the whole thing again, but Rashmi and I, when we saw it, we were so um, Blown away. Well, I'm going to use the word mm-hmm. moved by by the whole mm-hmm. experience of it that we we felt that we almost wanted to relive that moment. Um, mm-hmm. And that's always a mistake when it comes to kind of illusions and, and, and tricks. So it, I, I personally felt that I understood what was actually happening based on some you know, some work that I did actually with memory learning and cognition over the course of, you know, my, my kind of day job, my professional career. So, but nonetheless, um, it was still a remarkably moving 90 minutes. It really, really, there's something about the way that he speaks his performance art, the way that he tells a story, the way that he made me think about the world and life and he's it's, it's very philosophical in some way so i don't know mm-hmm. I mean, yes there are some card tricks and and you know usual kind of magician stuff and you know it's like oh wow um you know none of it is kind of at the david blaine spectacle level of of you know magic and trickery but i did respond to this quite um quite quite substantially and um it, it, it made me feel a real loss for not having seen the thing live in a theater. But I think maybe yeah, we got the optimized yeah. version of it. I yes. think we, we got the gut punch that maybe it would have not been possible to deliver every night in the theater. And uh, there's still a couple of things in there that I'm like, wait a minute. I don't know how that even is possible. Yeah. So that still resonates and, 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 you know, spinning around in my brain to this, to this day. And it's been like a month or so yeah, since we saw easily. it. Yeah. Yeah, Yasti, I'm with Joe on this one. Um, I think we probably shared the experience of being uh, moved, blown away, um, amazed um, by this documentary performance art. Um, I subsequently was able to watch a Q&A with him and Frank Oz um, after we'd seen the movie, which was really interesting. And I... I think it's interesting what you said, Yasti, about the manipulation. I guess for mm. me, I look at it like whatever gets you to the place you need to get to emotionally is okay. And I was a certainly a blubbering mess watching 
the impact that him just saying the words, you are a whatever, it was profound. Sharing that human experience, I can't even imagine what it would be like in the room. And even if it's manipulation, I think it's okay to do that. I mean, that's what happens on a daily basis, right? I mean, we're constantly manipulated by Gillette ads on the TV. I mean, um, to sell us a particular lifestyle or a particular brand. So I'm okay with that manipulation because I felt like he was actually an authentic performer. I don't think he was putting on anything to get the audience to that place. I think he was genuine and authentic and therefore I bought into the show. I, I love this. I mean, most people's reactions are very similar to yours. And I think that's why this, 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 um, you know, so well known and people, I, I know that the people who are really into it have gone seen it, you know, because they were living in New York two, three times because they wanted, they were so blown away by it. Right. I just, and I, I, I have absolutely no problem. I think up until the last 10 minutes of it, I was just gobsmacked. I was pretty excited, interested. I was like, how did he do this? How is he doing this? And he's, he's a very good performer because he blends yes. in his own life story and, you know, the stage design is pretty remarkable in terms of these different things light up during when he's explaining different parts of his life. But then that that last part, whereas it blows most people off and it makes them really, you know, people are sobbing. Um, for me, I was like, wait a minute, what are you doing? You know, I somehow became very cynical about what he was doing. So my, my reaction was very different. And, you know, if somebody is if he's wearing a mic and somebody's telling him in his ears, that's not how that's it works. A nasty thing to do. No, I but yes, do you but, remember? But maybe, do you remember when when Joe worked at the place he worked at? We went yeah, to yeah, that yeah, memory. We went to the memory competition. Right. Well, let's not talk too it, much oh, about sure. it because okay. people haven't seen the movie. But yes, yeah. I'll talk with you offline. Yes. I can tell yeah. you that the cynical trickery that you're thinking of, which is somebody in his ear is telling him some elements of something about that person. No, that's not how it works. No, or, or even or even like you said, I, I know where you're getting at. Even if he's a person who just has this one in a million memory where he just has looked, you know, taken a glance at these cards at the start of the show and then he's able to kind of deploy that. Um, I, yeah, it's fine. It's fine, I guess. I, I'm, I'm just amazed that in in the day and age we live that somebody can do something which can break through barriers and yes. kind of emotionally really get to yes. people. So it's pretty... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What did the people who saw it live um, recount to you? Do you recall someone? Oh, I, 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 I haven't met anybody who saw it live, oh, but I think yeah. during the show he mentions a couple of people who have come back. A few yeah. Times, right? yeah. 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 Not much else to say about this one I mean, because I think I, this is one of those that you can't say. I don't want to spoil the experience yeah. for people who haven't seen it. Um, go ahead, Yes. You were going to say one more thing. No, no, I, no. I, I was going to say, uh, there's no question about it that if I was living in New York, I would want to go oh, see yes. this live. Even after I saw this documentary, yes. this was playing. I, I would, would drag I would you both. And, I would yeah. drag you by your heels. I would, I would want to experience it myself. And forget the last ten minutes. There's a lot of other things which happen. Yes. Where things which are clearly three dimensional would just go missing from the stage. And the stage has been lit the whole time, so I don't know how he's, he's done a lot of those things. So it's pretty remarkable, yeah. 
Right. Well, let's wrap it I up. I want to see what he does next. Yes. Uh, why don't you score this one, Yazdi? Uh, seven out of ten for me. I, 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 I can't shake off my horrible, crusty-hearted cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Joe. I, I mean, I find this really hard to score. I mean, what I'll say is you have to go watch it. Um, if you put a gun to my head and say, you know, score this as you would, you know, a... Documentary. Documentary or... A, I mean, you know, um, for entertainment value, uh, 9 out of 10. Yeah, it it really, really worked for me. And um, I think, I hope that for other people they get a similar response and you can't think too much about this stuff you have to remind yourself this is performance art and you know in in a you know a lot of a lot of art and magic is deception does that make it unethical you know maybe when it speaks to somebody's emotionals perhaps but emotions but but you know it's it's a it's a debate to be had I love this. I love, love, love this. I want to watch it again, um, but I probably won't easily, easily nine out of 10. I love this huh. so much. I was so moved by this. I was literally a blubbering mess. Yeah, we, we've told everyone that we can find to go watch yeah. it. That, that, I guess, is a measure of our response yes. to it. But. Yeah, somebody I know said that they turned it off after the first 15 minutes because they weren't getting much. And I, I, I told them, no, you need to go back and finish yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. It yeah. does have an interesting start because you don't know what you're watching. Yeah. So it's very strange, ethereal. You know, it's, it's, it is hard to get into, but I would say give it, just, just go with it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, yay. Moving on then, the next movie of this podcast is The Mauritanian. So, uh, Yazdi, can you tell us about yes, The Mauritanian? So yeah. yeah, so I can uh, intro this one. Um, so, uh, The Mauritanian is the latest film by Kevin MacDonald, and um, it's based on the real-life story of Mohamedou Oud Stahi, who fought for freedom after being detained and imprisoned without charge by the U.S. government for years at years on end. And, um, you know, it, it, it's about a person from Mauritania who was uh, uh, kept at Guantanamo Bay almost without a trial for a very long time and how things played out in his story. Uh, obviously, politically, a very, very uh, hot-button issue. Uh, the movie is just being released, and um, it has writing credits of it's based on the book Guantanamo Diary, which was written by Mohamedou Ulslahi. And uh, the screenplay credit is shared by Michael Bronner, Rory Haynes, and Saurabh Nasharani. And the cast includes Tahir Rahim, who is this wonderful French actor uh, who has been in remarkable movies, including The Prophet, which came out a couple of years ago. He played the title role. If you remember, he was the prisoner. Um, lovely movie. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Shailene Woodley is in this movie as well and more critically Jodie Foster is in it and Jodie Foster recently won Best Supporting Actor for this at the Golden Globes and uh, so another one of those movies based on real life uh, occurrence um, it's it's getting some I mean they I think they deliberately released it late um, before the Oscar nomination system hoping to get some um, 
you know, get some traction. So let's see um, if that plays out for them. Uh, what did you guys think of the Mauritanian? Okay, I guess I'll go. Um, so it's an above average, but not exceptional telling of a really important story. And I think I'd heard about this. We'd seen the 60-minute segments about this. But the movie really brought to light, to me, certain facts about Guantanamo Bay and the politics around it and the human cost um, that resulted in kind of a, a lot of post-movie thinking for me and certainly a lot of post-movie debate in this house um you know i think there was um there, there, we, there, there's a it's very we're very quick to forget just how angry we were post 9-11 and how as a as a culture as a government we we were in support of let's you know let's address it address this no matter what the cost um this movie explores one aspect of that but it really <laughs> does help me think about things a lot so the topic itself is better than the execution of the movie but that doesn't take anything away from the movie itself i want to call out Tahar rahim as one of my favorite performances of all of the last of la of all of last year um, i haven't seen him on any award lists yet but i mean i think it's a travesty that he's not because this is really one of the most memorable performances so um, very powerful story. The filmmaking, not quite as well executed, but that's not to say it's bad. Yeah, Joe, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I think it's um, a very good movie of a really amazing short movie called My Brother's Keeper. And um, if you haven't seeked that out, please seek that out. That is about a 20-minute movie um, about the relationship of um, Muhammad Ulslahi with Steve Wood, who was actually one of his detainers um, in, in Guantanamo for the period before he got released, before he was given freedom, so to speak. Um, that documentary was so moving and I think that this movie did a good job. It's not like for like. Um, but it is such an important story. I think, I think you're right, Joe. I haven't really got much more to add other than um, I'm, I'm worried that Tahir Rahim is going to get lost in that shuffle of timing. Like we were saying on our last podcast, there was a batch of movies that tried to make it on all the critics lists by the end of December. And then, and then there's been this new batch of movies that didn't quite make it on the Golden Globes list. And so if you are one of the Oscar reviewers and you're only going by what's won in the past, then this is not going to get on your list, right? But I agree with you. This was a great performance. And I think Jodie Foster was very good in this and... Mm -hmm. you know Benedict Cumberbatch had a difficult role which he did really well mm -hmm. and Shailene Woodley was good um it, it was really good performances it felt of its time it felt like it was made in the 90s early 2000s you know it, it felt that way um yeah Yasti what did you think 
I, I, I hesitate to say much because I only watched one half of the movie. Okay. I made a mistake. We had a screening link sent to us and I thought that the link would uh, would be on for 24 hours. So I watched half of it and, and decided to fix some dinner. And by the time I came back, that link had expired. So I only watched one half of it. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to withhold. Okay. Um, okay. Any comments? Okay, yeah. fair enough. I mean, I do feel like... At the beginning, Joe, it reminded me a little bit of Zero Dark Thirty, although it didn't have that as much tension, but it gave me that same feeling of Zero Dark Thirty. Um, I, I really like this movie. And I think this is worth paying the 19th. So this is the one that is 19.99 on Amazon Prime. And I would totally pay $20 to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if you haven't seen um, much about this, it's really important that as Americans, I mean, the three of us now are American citizens, that we that we understand um, the nature of this story. And um, there's a remarkable individual at the center of it. And my brother's keeper, Rashmi, I'll put a link in the show notes, but that's actually available on YouTube. It's a 20-minute documentary. So good. Uh, it's on the Guardian's YouTube channel. Um, and... It, it really is, um, it, it's totally worth 20 minutes and none of your money to watch. The movie itself, I would say, you know, I, I wish that it was on one of the other services like an, a Netflix or an Amazon Prime because I think $20, $20 is a tall ask when there's so much other quality material and I don't want the movie to sound like it's not worth 20 bucks. It is, but, um, you know, it's not a perfect movie, just a very powerful story with some amazing performances. So score-wise, I mean, for me, um, you know, I think a nine's a little too generous. I, I want, I desperately in my heart want to give it a nine because it, it, it affected me that much, but uh, eight out of ten. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I want to do a Yazdi. I want to give this one a seven and a half, um, but I won't give it a seven and a half because halves aren't allowed on this show. Um, and so I will, <laughs> I will, I will, I will make that. I'll be generous and uh give it an eight as well solid but i would say please watch my brother's keeper okay yeah i think of of, of the one half that i saw I, I said i wouldn't comment but i would say that's but what fascinated anyway. me was you can almost watch you can almost watch a story play out from your own political leaning yes you know and like anything in life you know it's the grays the truth lies somewhere in between and so you know, something like this, I think um, I'm, I'm eager to see how it ends because I, like everybody else, I have a political leaning and, um, you know, I, I think we are too quick to judge. Like you said early on, there was a movie called Prisoners, which came out a while ago, which was kind of related on the same issue. When something horrific happens, we want to blame someone. And, you know, do we lose the moral upper hand when we kind of get hasty and finding somebody and, you know pointing a yeah. finger at them. I mean, anyway. No, again, yeah. I, I would love to have that that debate um, because I think exactly that. I feel like, you know, vengeance, you know, it's it, it, we felt vengeful as a nation and we did some things as a oh. nation that are reprehensible and we need to examine that. And I think that's what this movie provides is a really important examination of that. Um, again, have you seen My Brother's Keeper, Yasti? I have not. Okay. Well, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes. Check it out. It's it's 
It's a beautiful short Lovely. story. I think we cry. I mean, I cried. It's Again, just, it's just it's so moving. But it's all about the nature of the individual, and when you when you when you bring things down to the level of the individual human, it's very easy to um, dehumanize a group of people or a group of behaviors or a group of and you know. But um, this allows you to see the beauty of one human being, and and yeah, remarkable. Okay, moving on. Then, um, next movie to talk about this week is the movie Land. So, um, Yasti, are you going to tell us about Land? I would be happy to do so. So, I'm happy to announce that Land is the directorial debut of the one and only Robin Wright, uh, who we have known as far back, going as far back as uh, The Princess Bride. She was The Princess Bride, and, and look how far she's come. And uh, here she is uh, with a very storied career taking on a movie uh, as first-time director. And uh, the movie is uh, called Land. And the simple one-line summary in IMDb is that a bereaved woman seeks out a new life off the grid in Wyoming. Um, The writers for the movie are Jesse Chatham and Erin Dignam. I, I keep I was tempted to say Digman, but no, Aaron Dignam and uh, Jesse Chatham are the writers. And uh, um, not only is Robin Wright directing, but she also plays the central character of Edie. Um, and the movie also stars um, Kim Dickens and Damien Bashir, who we've been seeing a lot. And I'm glad that he's uh, in a lot of films, uh, as well as Sarah Dawn Pledge. This was another movie that played tricks with me during the screening and I didn't get a chance to watch. I think, uh, Rashmi, I know you watched. I don't know, Joe, if you watched as well, but uh, Joe has not. So, Rashmi, tell us about Land. I've, I, I'm pretty sight and seed. I'm pretty sure I'm going to love this movie. But please don't burst my bubble. Um, <laughs> tell so, me. Please don't tell me it's a bad movie. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. I'll start by saying that. Okay. It's actually quite a beautiful, mesmerizing piece of um, filmmaking. It has little dialogue it's one of those you know for the for most of the movie or at least the first half of the movie it's like one of those um survivor type movies you know we've seen Mm. it with like robert redford or um you know with tom hanks yeah like outcast or and any of those so and on paper, I don't really like those movies. They they give me a weird feeling of like both claustrophobia and agoraphobia at the same time. So normally I don't like those. But the way this all comes together is quite beautiful. And it's just, it's more of an experience than a, you know, linear narrative, I would say. Um, it's beautifully performed. And I think in any other year when Nomadland wasn't on the docket, this would be getting more high praise than it's getting. But the fact that Chloe Zhao is so damn talented and has done something quite similar, I would say, in Nomadland, but she's done it way better, is going to mean that we're going to use that as a comparison, I think. Um, even though it's an unfair comparison, they're not they're not really apples and apples. It's not quite apples and oranges. Um but, you know, look, it's definitely worth, I, I think it's definitely, again, this is another one, I think it's nineteen ninety nine on Amazon Prime. 
if you are feeling like you want to escape, it's a sad topic, right? Because it's about a woman who is basically taking herself in the middle of nowhere to just get away from her incredible loss. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't play with loss in a kind of a Hollywood way. It does it in a very clever way, I think. And it's definitely more about her experience trying to survive in the wilderness in a way. Um, really good, really, really good movie. You you mentioned Nomadland. I'm kind of reminded of a movie that I think uh, many of the film critics in San Diego recommended that we, that we watched uh, ahead of our awards, the San Diego Film Critics uh, Awards, and that was a movie called Alone. Did you watch that? Yeah, version? I did. So Alone was kind of the horror version of this, um, in a sense. And so the beginning, actually, I was thinking, oh, my God, this looks very much like Alone. Um, right. But it's not played was, for horror. It's horrific in the okay. sense of what um, one person's quest to survive in nature, right? So it's horrific from the perspective of um, how you have to live when you have nothing around you and you don't know how to, um, you know, hunt for your food or, um, you know, or a right, bear right. comes in and wrecks your home looking oh, for God. cans of tuna um, that it can smell, Um so, so it's horrific, but it's not a horror like Alone. Alone was effective, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, very decent. Yeah, yeah it, it was effective. This is something different. This just feels very ethereal. Okay. And I have to say, for a directorial debut, it's pretty good. And a lot of that lies with the cinematography. The cinematography in this is stunning. I mean, I'm no country person, but I was like, ooh, I wouldn't mind going on like a glamping trip maybe. <laughs> um, through the wilderness if someone was like you know looking out for shooting the bears or keeping the bears away from me or good because we're going to Yosemite this summer oh god <laughs> yeah so I, I mean I, I you know very I, I would definitely pay the money to, yes. to pay f to, to watch this one easily again easily 8 out of 10 for me wow and again wow. you know it's not it's not it's not like it's Oscar fodder in the sense of magnificent story or arc it's just a beautiful unfolding of someone's grief which is a weird mm. thing to say but it's that whole like coming to terms putting yourself in a situation where you think it's going to make you feel better and nothing will make you feel better mm. and she's great she's she's amazing to watch she's so beautiful i mean she's so mm. beautiful to look at even when yeah, she's, you know, yeah. sweaty with, you know, now a lot yeah. of people, blood all over her. I'm, I'm kind of interested in her talent as a director here. I mean, is it well directed? Yeah, it's well directed. It's good enough. It doesn't feel like a feature no, a debut kind no, of thing. It really doesn't. And again, I will just say the cinematography is quite magnificent on this one. <laughs> Super. Well, it looks like my kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of those kind of individual survivor type movies. Um, they always, um, I guess I always enjoy kind of seeing the, res the resourcefulness of human beings in a survival situation. Yeah, so. and I don't. I would be like, make a call, get someone in to help you. <laughs> you know, 
Stop at a McDonald's. <laughs> or a Target. Or a Target. Okay. So when the zombie apocalypse comes, don't look for Rashmi to help you out. <laughs> I like, will be awful. Yeah. <laughs> I will be awful. Oh. All right. Final movie of the week then is White Tiger. So Rashmi? Yes. So I am dying to hear what you thought of this one, Yasti. You're the only one of us who saw this. This one is taunting me on our Netflix list. Um, I saw the screener, but I didn't get around to watching it. Um, this is basically... And then um, I believe um, our Dash Gaurav actually got nominated uh, for a Golden Globe. For a Golden Globe? Mm. I think so. Okay, yes. so... Yes, this is um, an ambitious Indian driver uses his wit and cunning to escape from poverty and rise to the top. An epic journey based on the New York Times bestseller. Um, so this is directed by Raman Barani. Um, it's written by uh, Raman Barani and um, Aravind Adiga. And it stars um, Ardash Gaurav, Rajkumar Rao and Priyanka Chopra amongst, amongst a whole host of others. Um, I'm not a big fan of Priyanka Chopra, who was actually Priyanka Chopra Jonas, who will be introducing the uh, nominations, I believe, with her husband, Nick Jonas. That's your e-moment of the podcast. Oh, I um, that. Yes. for letting us know. Yes. Um, <laughs> I uh, and she had a very, you know, a very, uh, she was Miss World and then um, for India. She And then she uh, had a Bollywood career. And then, of course, she made her debut in the U.S. on um, Quantico. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know that she's got staying power. Anyway, Yazdi, I'm rambling. Tell me, is White Tiger <laughs> worth going upstairs after this podcast is over and switching it on? I believe so, yes, for Ooh, sure. Okay. And I think I think I mentioned to you after I saw it, I texted you and I said it might be the rare instance of a movie doing better than the book. Usually, you know, yes. movies, you know, usually are, you know, they can never match up to the book. Uh, the book won the, you know, major prizes in India. And, uh, you know, I, I, I read it like five, six years ago with a lot of expectation. And the book had a tone of, it's had a very nihilistic, everything sucks, everybody's awful kind of tone, and I just never warmed up to it. And I kind of walked away from it saying, like, this is somebody who's just written a book, you know, about saying everything possible uh, negatively, which can be said about, you know, India and the people who live in it and so forth. So I, it was not a very pleasant experience for me. A lot of people enjoyed it for how cold and how brutal the, the book was. But I think... Um, what they did, which is amazing, I think that the, the first thing they did was to hire this particular director. Ramin Barani is a uh, Iranian based. He's American Iranian. So he was born in the U.S. from Iranian parents. And he's made amazing movies before, uh, such as Free Solo, not Free Solo, sorry, uh, Goodbye Solo uh, and a lot of other movies. And he's just uh, he also made a movie called 99 Homes. Uh, a, a few years ago with uh, Andrew, um, what's his name? Anyway, um, so I think Ramin Barani is inherently a very empathetic filmmaker. So even when you take a very cynical story and when you put it in the hands of an empathetic filmmaker, he's able to kind of bring that, that heart to the story. And I think um, 
Adarsh Kaura, who plays the main, the, the whole movie is about this one man um, and his rags to riches story, if you will, and what he does, um, you know, in order to get to the top of the game. He comes from the poorest of poor, you know, a, a little kid in a untouchable class in a little town, like a, a little dog. village in India. Yeah, and what, and you know, he just realizes that you know, he doesn't want his life to be like everybody else in his village and he will do anything it takes to get successful. And essentially how he cons himself, he gets to the city and how he cons himself to get to the top of the game. So it's it's a very ruthless story, but the entire movie is this character and they did a remarkable job again in picking this particular actor because he plays this whole arc beautifully. And he at, at at some point in the story becomes the anti-hero because he does some pretty horrific things, you know, to justify his existence. And his point is, you know, you you don't have the uh, luxury of being morally right when it's a question of life or life or death for mm, you. You know, it's it kill or be killed. And so the movie kind of very very deftly gets into parasite territory where okay. it's like. Here is somebody who doesn't have anything, who is cheating the rich. But are the rich any better? Because they have gotten rich by keeping everybody else down. So it hmm. becomes the struggle of, you know, who is the worst in the lot. And in a way, there nobody's a winner, right? In, in, in a way. And um, I'm happy to report that Priyanka Chopra has a very small role in the movie. I think she really cared for this story. So she's a producer on the movie. Um, and she plays a small role. And Rajkumar Rao plays uh, her husband in the movie, and he has a very small role as well. But, um, you know, a lot of people have described the movie as kind of a grittier version of uh, 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 Slumdog Millionaire. But I think that's kind of unfair. I think this movie is a lot more um, thoughtful. It's a lot more... um, It has a lot to say about just how... Um, how declawed and miserable society is as a whole and how people inherently everybody's greedy and and nobody has scruples, you know, when it comes down to, you know. um, So anyway, I I was really amazed at how well this movie played out and it's streaming for free on Netflix. I would really strongly recommend people, um, you know, in, in a year where we saw remarkable performances by Riz Ahmed in Sound of Metal and Anthony Hopkins, so good in uh, The Father. Father. yeah. Um, and, you know, Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And there have been so many remarkable um, male lead performances that, you know, a newcomer out of nowhere on a movie on Netflix, you know, can stand shoulder to shoulder with them is pretty remarkable. And yes, um, is it? It's um, pretty dark. It's very well. Yes. Go is on. it? Is it like, um, you know, because Joe and I always talk about this when we watch British movies. Is it the? Is it the Britain that we left behind? Is it the Britain that mm. we knew? Right? Is this reminiscent of an India that you understand that you've lived in? Is it? Not not the slum part, obviously, but the but the city story, the servant story, the the kind of rich and poor it aspect. It is. It okay. is. I mean, uh, you know, any place which has a lot of glamour, be it you know London at any time, or be it Mumbai, you know, um, the rich literally stand on the shoulders of the poor. I mean, in in this movie, 
couldn't be more clear in that the family that he's kind of, you know, sidled his way into live in this beautiful high rise and they live at the very top and he lives literally underground. He, there's servants quarters, not even in the parking lot, but below the parking lot in this cavernous little room and in this, sorry, in this really small room, which has no, no direct sunlight because it's, you know, beneath of beneath. And so you, the difference between the haves and have nots cannot be more separated. And I've seen this, I've seen this in India all the time where the servants quarters are, you know, way away from everybody else. And uh, do I agree with the main character? I don't, but I always understand his motives. And, uh, you know, it, it has some two or three incidents which play out towards the sec in the second half of the movie where I was thinking like, well, what would I do in this situation? As you know, we like to think we are all very morally centered and we will always do the right thing. But there's two things which happen here where it's like, well, I don't know that I would do that much differently oh, from how okay. this particular character does. Interesting. That's so, always my big fear when I watch things like that because I always wonder if I would. And so they, they, they I find those kind of things unsettling. This sounds like sounds quiet. Yeah, this is running ninety-two percent on the tomatometer. So definitely it's very worth well a watch. Made. It's yeah. Very well constructed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So score, Yazdi. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, eight out of ten. Eight out of 10. And mostly because I expected this to be just nothing much. And it really amounts to something. And, uh, you know, it's about, yeah, I can I can go about this for a while. But um, definitely worth watching. It's a quick, less than two-hour movie. Um, and it kind of goes by very quickly. Okay. Because it's this this person's rags to riches story. Okay. Yeah. And and Andrew Garfield was the actor you were looking for in 1900. Andrew Garfield. Which was that yes. film that we yeah. watched many years ago about many the housing crisis and Michael yeah. Shannon. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Great. Well, um, let's bring the podcast to an end. Thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate your listens as always. Facebook.com slash MovieWallers, Instagram.com. We haven't Instagrammed for a while. We need to... Well, we, we're in the house, so... This is true, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what we can Instagram. <laughs> yeah, there's the, that, I guess that is, that is kind of a 2020 problem. <laughs> we could do our faces after, after we watch something. That might be funny. What did you say, Asti? Sorry. I can I can Instagram my butt. That's about it. Yeah. I'm gonna attempt. <laughs> a, let's let's do it. Really? Um, yeah. Let's 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 attempt a and movie while let's. Can you get the cat in? Because she's staring at Yazdi. Hang on. And, right, and while you're doing that, I should say that in addition to uh, Priyanka Chopra being a producer, Eva Duvernay is also a producer on this movie. Oh. Along along with Could Ramin Barani. Yeah. I think this movie would have done very well if it was still play if we were still going to theaters. All right, smile, and I think it was Netflix. It was Netflix's number one movie uh, for a couple couple weeks at least. So worth checking out, The White Tiger. So we should be back soon with uh, more podcasts. Yes, more indeed. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Thank you, everyone, Who's for listening. Yes, and I'm yes. looking at all of the TV. I keep hearing great things about the flight attendant, but it's on HBO Max, mm -hmm. which we don't have. Oh, so. I really want to watch that with Kelly Cuoco. Yeah. Yes. Great. All right. Well, thank you again for listening. We will be back soon with more podcasts um, and Oscar reactions and 
hopefully more um, news about when cinemas will reopen because yes, I'm ready. Soon. I'm ready. I'm ready. It needs to happen. I'm really worried about some of the big theatre change and um, so on and so forth. So until our next podcast, too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. <laughs>